Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Helpful Snowman, the radio show that's a podcast. But, uh, I, you know, I guess podcast, I mean, that's a thing Apple invented, right? That was their name, because it's like iPod, podcast, all that shit. But we all just went with it, I guess, except for me. <laughs> it's a, you know, Helpful Snowman radio podcast. It makes no sense. But there, there you are. So today we're going to do a Christmas episode, not a holiday episode, by the way. You can take your uh, happy holidays and shove them up your butthole. No, I don't, I don't actually care. I don't, I don't actually care about the war on Christmas or whatever. I, I, you know, my opinions on uh, the whole Christmas holiday thing is basically just that, like, who cares? And also... Um, I don't really care, you know, which days I get off of work or whatever, but I, I do feel like, okay, I work with someone who is like, you know, I think, uh, all the holidays are basically, you know, based in like Christianity or something. And so we should, we should just get days and you can take off, you know, the equivalent number of days. We shouldn't have to be closed on this day or that day. I got, I got where they were coming from, but at the same time, I was like, well, let's just look at this practically. I mean, everybody I know is going to be off on Christmas Day. Also, who is going to come in to any place of business other than maybe a grocery store or a gas station on Christmas Day? I feel like we'd be uh, open just to make a point. And it's a point that I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't really care about making a point anymore, which is obviously why I've continued to do this show. So today's show is the 12 days of Christmas. What I decided to do was try and look up a story about each of the things from the 12 days so that, you know, we'd have a story about 12, 12 little things about the 12 Days of Christmas song. I'm sure much hay has been made about this song, right? By At this point, as far as like, I would hate for someone to get me geese a-laying, you know, all this shit. But I'm like, I don't know, that song was probably written in like 1600 or something. It's like when we were talking about ramparts and we used words like or, O-V-E-R. Instead of O-V-E-R, they shortened it to O apostrophe E-R. What a great shortening. <laughs> I guess that's like don't, right? Do not and don't is uh, one letter shorter, but there's an apostrophe. So really, it's no shorter at all. And maybe, uh, I guess there's a space. That's another character. But, you know, really for being a shortening, shouldn't it be like shortening? For being a shortening, shouldn't it be like DN apostrophe T or something? And I'd be like, all right, that's like half as long. 
So we're going to start with 12 drummers drumming, I think. I had to look up all of these, of course, because like I I did not know them by heart. Uh, So I found a a website called drumchat.com, and it's like a forum for people who do drums. Um, These are from like 2007, so this is like maybe, I don't know, the tail end of the MySpace days or something. When we all used to have websites we went to that had like different content instead of, I'll just go to Twitter, which aggregates. Okay, I'm not going to do a Twitter rant today. So let's see what some people said. These are their crazy stories from Drumline. Oh God, Drumline equals good times. Oh, this is by Leslie Drummer. <laughs> Leslie, aka Lesl. Um, I don't know if that means if Leslie is like Leslie or lesbian or both, but uh, here we are. Uh, Well, this one time we were doing a routine for a competition heritage festival in town and my friend got a brand new drum head for it. So we were in the middle of the routine and she flams it and goes right through it and freaked her out. So she drops her drum and falls backwards, which freaked the next girl out. So she falls over, pulling the guy next to her down with her and almost all of us fell down and then tried to play it off like it was part of the routine. That was an interesting day. And OMG, the Bandcamp stories are even better. Mm, that's I'm giving that one like a 4 out of 10. Maybe you had to be there. I didn't, I, I've never heard the term flaming it, but that's a term I'm going to start use for these episodes. I really flammed that one. Punched right through the drum head, if you know what I mean. Um, I have a good one. The school band... Oh, this is... Uh, Mr. Mojo Ryzen. Um, I have a good one. The school band was doing a parade, and before we even got like three feet into it, one of the bass drummers walked into a trash can, and I was right next to him, so I was laughing hysterically. Good times, good times. <laughs> I, this is going to come as a total shock. Uh, someone who's in the band form has an icon that's from Neil Gaiman Sandman, the comic book. Um, okay. Well, drummers, not not the best stories I've ever heard. Um, next, we had uh, Piper's Piping. And uh, I found this story <laughs> on a website where apparently some people found some weird pipes like in the woods and followed them into some kind of underground facility. But uh, here's what's amazing about it is you're reading it. And it's supposed to have these pictures. And so, like, the first one says, uh, these are the weird pipes. And shows what I assume is actual Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman, visiting children. Um, I, don't, I don't know if there's a hospital or a school or something. But, you know, she's, like, dressed in the Wonder Woman costume. And there's a bunch of people standing around. And then the next picture is captioned, they found an entrance not that far away. And this is definitely Gal Gadot visiting with definitely sick kids in a hospital. (laughs) And then it says, first hallway. And it's Gal Gadot standing over a kid in a bed, a bald kid. And then uh, it says, a dead end. And then this becomes a comic strip of working from home, expectation versus reality. Um, And then, you know, another 
work from home expectation versus reality comic and a third and a fourth one. So something happened to this website about uh, pipes that someone followed in the woods, which by the way, great. I like it. But uh, their images got all fucked up. And I was just very amused by that. I don't know why. It's kind of like, it's going to be weird in the future when people try to archaeology the internet and they go and like images are all screwed up so it's like the wrong things and they're going to be like, I don't understand. Check out these pipes and then it's Gal Gadot and they're like, do they mean her legs or something? I don't understand. Uh, let's see. Now we have Lords A-Leaping. So for this one, um, there was a story from Buenos Aires where a man jumped into a river full of crocodiles to get tickets for 2010's World Cup. Um, which uh, Argentine writer Luciano Wernicke has compiled into the latest version of his book, Incredible World Cup Stories. <laughs> Published in 20 languages as the soccer showpiece is underway in Qatar. Oh, yes. World Cup stories. All the people who died of heat stroke building a fucking stadium in Qatar. What a wonderful, what a wonderful thing. I don't know. I'm trying to think of what I would leap into a river full of crocodiles or was it alligators? Whatever. Crocodiles. Um... I don't know. I'm trying to think of what I would jump into that to get tickets to. Tickets for. Tickets. I, I can't think of anything ticket-wise that I'd be like, I'd do that. Because, like, I don't know. I'm sitting in the crowd at, a, at the World Cup missing an arm. I don't think I'd be like, that was worth it. You know what I mean? I don't know. Are crocodiles the dangerous? Which ones are the dangerous one? I feel like alligators are the really big ones. Crocodiles are a little smaller. I gotta tell you though, we were, we went to the Hank Dooley Zoo, as I call it, in uh, Kansas City, Omaha, Omaha, Nebraska. Um, and there's this exhibit where you're kind of walking through like a swampy thing on a boardwalk, and uh, there were, I I think it was alligators, but it could have been a crocodile, but it doesn't really matter. The point is. And it's kind of dim in there and whatever. And then all of a sudden I realized there was just like an alligator gliding through the water completely silently, um, just right next to us, below us on this boardwalk. I mean, I don't think we were in any danger or anything, but it was weird. And you're like, oh, you know how when you see animals do something and then you're like, oh, now I understand why this animal kills other animals successfully. <laughs> It was definitely that moment for me because I was like, I get it now. I'm, uh, you know, just wandering around in the water and this creature completely silently glides up to me and then I'm in its mouth before I even knew, knew what was going on. Before I even had time to regret getting in the water in this area. Or, you know, that's like if I was ever golfing in Florida and a ball went off the course, I'd be like, it's gone. That it is gone. It is the property of the gators, and that is fine. 
I shouldn't say if a ball went off the course. I should say when one of the many balls I hit off the course went off the course. That is what I would do. Um, let's see. Now we've got ladies dancing. So this is the dancing plague of 1518. Or dance epidemic of 1518. Was a case of dancing mania that occurred in uh, modern day France. From uh, July 1518 to September 1518, somewhere between 50 and 400 people took to dancing for weeks. The outbreak began in July 1518 when a woman began to dance fervently in a street in Strasbourg. By early September, the outbreak began to subside. <laughs> That's just, it just jumps from, here's when it started and ended. Documents including physician notes, cathedral sermons, local and regional chronicles, and even notes issued by the Strasbourg City Council are clear that the victims danced. It is not known why. Historical sources agree that there was an outbreak of dancing after a single woman started dancing, and the dancing did not seem to die down. Well, I, th I feel like that's kind of how most dancing starts. If you want people to dance at your wedding, let's say... Uh, invite one attractive single woman who will definitely dance, and that'll get it going. That that tracks. That information tracks. Um, events similar to this are said to have occurred throughout the medieval age, <laughs> including uh, in 11th century Saxony, where it was believed to be the cause of demonic possession or divine judgment. Uh, in 15th century Italy, a woman was bitten by a tarantula, the venom making her dance convulsively. The only way to cure the bite was to shimmy and to have the right sort of music available, which was an accepted remedy by scholars. <laughs> Contemporaneous explanations include demonic possession and overheated blood. Uh, modern theories are food poisoning and stress-induced mass hysteria. I don't, I don't love either of those. I do like the idea of curing a spider bite, though, is like, okay, you got to do, here's a dance move you got to do. I wonder if we could bring this back, the tarantula shuffle, tarantula, the tarantula bite shimmy. That seems like a good uh, cultural artifact that is in desperate need of comeback. All right, let's see what we have here. Well, a Doctors Without Borders ad popped up. Um, I donated to Doctors Without Borders like one time, probably five years ago, because that's what my mom wanted for Christmas. And they send me something in the mail probably once a month. And I just want to like tell them, hey, you know, I appreciate what you're doing and everything, but like, this was just a, a one-time donation that wasn't even my idea. And uh, sending, you know, you can save some money by not sending me this, this mail because I don't, it's not going to convince me. And in fact, for some reason, I feel like them sending me mail is like an invasion of my privacy or something. I'm like, hey, what the hell? Like, leave me alone. Um, it's not, it's not going to convince me to donate again. Let's put it that way. I'm not going to. Not gonna donate again because you sent me a thing in the mail. Okay, I'm not. I'm not that simple. Uh, let's see. We have maids of milking. Um, apparently there was this apocryphal tale about a guy 
who dressed in a cow costume and entered a milking competition. So I guess that would be like he, that was his way of getting jerked off. But according to Snopes, that's not true. However, um, there is a story of a lady named Michelle Allen of Middleton, Ohio, who was arrested on suspicion of disorderly conduct while dressed as a cow. Uh, she was hired to dress up as a cow to promote a local haunted trail. And, uh, she was supposedly getting in the way of traffic and chasing children while dressed as a cow and smelled strongly of alcohol. <laughs> I mean, when you have the person in the cow costume, you know, when you, when you have someone wear a, a, like a mascot costume in order to drum up business, uh, I think it's unreasonable to expect them to not smell of alcohol. Like, I think if that's your criteria, I'm like, you might have to change your standards a little bit. But also, I, I sort of like the idea of a mascot menacing children. Um, I think that's kind of what mascots do. It's like, uh, most people, it seems like, have some fear of mascots. I have to tell you, like, one time I was running by a grease monkey, and they had a guy out on the sidewalk just in one of those mascot costumes, and I was running, and I had to, like, go by him. And it was weird. I don't know why. I was like, he probably won't even see me because, you know, they can't they can't see shit in those costumes. But uh, I was like, this is just weird and uncomfortable. Like blowing by this car at 55 would be fine. But having to move by him on my own power is weird. And I was glad I was not walking and was running. That uh, that made it a little better. Let's see. What do we have here? Uh, oh, swans. Um, so this is a story about a guy who bought a swan boat. You know those pedal boats that you can get in that look like a swan? Which I thought of buying because I was like, well, I wonder if you can take a pedal boat to the you know swim beach at like a state park or something. Because I'm like, I know you're not supposed to be in a boat out here, but... A pedal boat is basically not a boat, right? That's no different than a stand-up paddleboard or something, I, I would say. Um, but this guy bought one of those and turned it into a speedboat um, and has gotten a lot of attention for its high speed after being refitted with a sea-doo hull and a motor. Um, So, you know, before it had a little motor in it and it would go about half a kilometer per hour on the water. And now it will do 37 miles an hour with two people in it. And it does seat four. <laughs> and so he, let's see, it took him 10 months and cost about $10,000. And he said onlookers are fascinated by the sweetie, speedy swan, which he called Birdie. Which seems like a, a lazy name for a swan boat. Also, $10,000. I wonder what a, a speedy boat normally costs. But uh, it, it does... I just was reading something about... Because I don't know how this came up, but it was about, like, private train cars. Because apparently, up until very recently especially, if you were, like, a super rich guy, um, one of the sort of hobbies you could get into is you could own your own train car... And, like, you could actually get towed around by Amtrak. They would, like, you know, in the past, they would even send a, a car, a train, basically, to pick up your car and hook it up and everything. 
Or, you know, one guy had his train, basically, it he rented space at a train station, uh, like in Philadelphia or something, so he could just keep his train car there. And this is obviously a hobby for the super ultra rich, because it's like you have to buy a train car, outfit it, and then, like, keep it somewhere that it can still get to other trains. I just wondered, because I was like, is it possible? Like, could you, could I just buy a train if I was super rich and just go on the rails? You know what I mean? Could I go by myself? I don't think I can, because it sounds like, you know, I mean, obviously, like, Amtrak or whoever owns the rail, maybe? I mean... It's one of those things where you look into it and you're just like, why am I looking into this life that I would never have in a million years? Because it's like, uh, you know, it, basically the article I read was like, well, technically it's possible, but it's like one of the most impractical and expensive hobbies of all time. And it's, it, it's probably cheaper to just have a small plane, it seems to me, but I'm not totally sure about that. But uh, it's possible. So I guess, you know, a $10,000 swan boat. I mean, a lot of these train cars, too. Like, you know it's a super rich guy because they all were saying the same thing. They all had... It's not like you have one train car. They all had, like, four or five in various states of readiness to be attached to the trains. And, uh, you know, one guy was like, I realized way too late my mistake. I should have just bought one train car and tricked it out put all the money into one train car instead of like five train cars. That was dumb. Which I was like, well, I, it's an expensive lesson. Um, but yeah, I guess recently, I think Amtrak announced like they weren't going to be doing a bunch of these private services anymore. Which I was like, I mean, why were you doing that at all? That seems like an insane... It sounds like they got a new CEO or something who was like, um, why are we doing this? This is crazy. This is like a passenger airplane saying like, sure, if you have a glider, we'll tow you up into the air and then release you and you can do your gliding. Or like, yeah, we're a passenger airplane, but if you want to come up and then skydive out of us, that would be fine. And we're feeling sort of obligated to do that. <laughs> Um, let's see. Let's see. Um, this is about rings. So, on Tuesday, Jenna Evans was on a high-speed train... Wait. Oh, okay. She was on... <laughs> I was like, this is confusing. I don't think this is the right story. Because I was just talking about trains. Ooh, this is eerie. On Tuesday, Jenna Evans was on a high-speed train that was racing down the tracks, her fiancé by her side, when some, quote, bad guys appeared. There was only one way to protect her 2.4-carat diamond engagement ring. Swallow it. So that's what Evans did. I popped that sucker off, put it in my mouth, and swallowed it with a glass of water, Evans said in a Facebook post. Then she woke up. Evans was relieved on Wednesday morning that the whole episode had just been a vivid, bizarre dream that she told today was very James Bond. That is, until she realized her engagement ring was no longer on her finger. <laughs> Evans, who has a history of sleepwalking, soon realized that while the bad guys in High Speed Train had all been snoozing subconscious, the consumption of her engagement ring was not. 
When I woke up in the morning, there was no ring on my finger, Evans told today. I couldn't help but laugh at it, and then I had to wake my fiancé up and tell him that I had swallowed my engagement ring. Uh, Evans said she had to Google if adults often swallow rings. It turns out children are more commonly do it. What a shock. Do adults commonly swallow their engagement rings? No. I can answer that question for you. Uh, let me ask you a question. How many people do you know who have swallowed their ring? Um, Evans went to an urgent care clinic where doctors decided against letting the ring pass naturally through the 29-year-old system and instead referred her to a gastroenterologist who promptly performed an upper endoscopy, which is the insertion of a small camera and device down someone's throat. Evans wrote that she began to cry as she signed the release forms for the upper endoscopy, fearing she would die during the procedure and not to get to fulfill a different dream, marrying her fiancé. I, I waited a long time for that damn engagement ring, and I will marry ba Bobby, damn it, Evans wrote. Doctors found the ring in Evans' intestines just beyond her stomach. Evans said her fiancé returned the ring to her on Thursday. <clears throat> he returned the ring to me, and I promised not to swallow it again. Um, I'm so grateful that everybody can laugh about it because it truly is a very funny story, she said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, hmm. I don't know. I'll, you know what's weird about it is a uh, engagement ring. Okay, so you'll have to excuse me because I don't really know much about rings, let alone five golden rings. But, um... I, you know, I've only recently found out that, like, an engagement ring and a wedding ring are different. So you buy two rings. The, what a scam. Rings are, like, a complete scam. Price-wise, but also just, like, the idea. Like, some asshole somewhere who works for a ring company just invented that. You know that, right? Like, some guy was just like, wait a minute. What if we tell everyone that what you're supposed to do is get a, an engagement ring... And then you get another ring, and that's the wedding ring. We could sell two rings for every wedding. Wouldn't that be crazy? Uh, yeah, that would be pretty crazy. I never used to understand before, like, when someone's like, oh, yeah, I have my grandma's ring or something. And I was like, yeah, gross. Like, just get your own. I mean, what else would you use of your grandma's? I would never use my grandma's cane. I'd be like, I can just get my own cane, thank you. But now I get it, because I'm like, that shit's expensive. Take that diamond out, put it in a new thing, save yourself a little cash. And it, it is nice, it is nice to be able to do that, uh, because it's like, you get to pretend like it's a sentimental thing, even if it's not. And be like, this is actually more meaningful than if I just bought you one. And it happens in this one rare instance that more meaningful is also uh, more inexpensive. So, you know, that this is one of the rare occasions in which I could get away with that. So that's a good thing. <laughs> um, probably don't swallow your, your engagement ring, though. I mean, just don't. I know she was in a dream. It was very James Bond. I don't remember the James Bond story where he swallowed something and then went to the hospital. <laughs> um, let's see. This one's about birds. For calling birds. 
Um, okay. Farmers in southeast Turkey were worried about their airspace was infiltrated by spies from nearby Israel. But unlike our drones, these spies know how to blend in with their natural surroundings. Villagers near the city of Gajantep found a dead bird with a band labeled Israel, according to The Atlantic. The small European bee-eater also had an enlarged nostril which could have been implanted with a microchip or other spying device, suggesting one local official, according to the Turkish Daily. Eventually, the bird was examined by counterterrorism officials who decided the bird wasn't a threat to national security. <laughs> the bird was banded, according to the Atlantic, about four years ago to track the migration patterns of the species. Phew. I like how they're like, well, he did have an enlarged nostril. That could be because someone put a microchip in it. And it's like, I mean, I guess it could be because he had an enlarged nostril. I have an enlarged nostril, or one that's larger than the other. I don't think it's because I have a Total Recall-style huge bulbous thing up my nose and in my brain. I suppose it's possible. Yeah, I can't totally rule it out, but... If, if that exists, I would be curious to see what it was for. I would want to find out what why it was in there. But, um, I, yeah, I don't know. Oh my God, this bird's from Israel. <laughs> An Israeli bird has come to Turkey. What are we going to do? It's, it's not like these creatures are known for traveling long distances. For no fucking reason. Um, hens a laying. Similar story. A wandering chicken was caught sneaking around a security area at the Pentagon, a local animal welfare organization said. The loose hen was found early morning Monday near the U.S. Department of Defense headquarters, the Animal Welfare League of Arlington, Virginia, wrote on social media. This is a terribly written article. Um, apparently, the answer to why did the chicken cross the road is to get to the Pentagon, the group posted. Good one. The chicken was taken into custody by one of the league's employees. Chelsea Jones, a spokesperson for the organization, said in an email that she couldn't reveal the precise location where the bird was spotted. We're not allowed to disclose exactly where she was found. We can only say it was at a security checkpoint. <laughs> it's also unclear where the chicken came from or how she got to the Pentagon. The hen, which has brown feathers and a red comb and wattles, is a Rhode Island red. Jones described the bird as sweet and nervous, but said she has allowed some people to pet her. Uh, she's now known as Henny Penny, one of the names given to the chicken that thinks the sky is falling in a folktale. Um, there you go. Jones said Henny Penny is being adopted by a staff member who has a small farm in Western Virginia. I mean, it is weird to me. Okay, you find a bird that's just flying around in Israel... And uh, or in Turkey, and it's from Israel, it's like, well, I mean, yeah, this bird lives outside. What's the diff? But when you find a bird inside the Pentagon, a chicken, no less, somebody brought it there. Don't you want to discover who brought it there and why? I mean, that seems suspicious to me. I don't know. Maybe the Pentagon is more rural than I thought. Maybe it's like in the middle of a big farm, a field. Maybe a chicken showing up there is possible. Maybe uh, the area where the Pentagon is is like one of these places where people have like their, you know, suburban uh, chicken concern. 
I don't know why that became such a big thing. And it may still be where it's like, you know what we need to do is get a chicken for our tiny backyard that can lay eggs. And uh, then we can eat 800 eggs a day because that's how many eggs we need. You know, it'd be a lot easier than buying eggs at the store, which are relatively inexpensive and pretty easy to come by. If we got a chicken that made eggs and then took care of it forever and bought it feed and cleaned up after it. And, you know, eventually had to probably do animal vet type stuff with it. Uh, th this seems like a much better solution. I mean, it's like, I don't understand why people would have their own chicken, but it's like, why not just have a cow then in your backyard? Why not just have fucking, I don't know. Why, just have a farm. If what you want is a farm, have a farm. If what you want is to live in the suburbs, live in the suburbs and go to one of the many grocery stores. <laughs> I mean, I'm all for like experimenting and doing stuff for yourself and whatever, but I'm like, I, you get a chicken and then you're like, well, now I've got a commitment to this creature, uh, to keeping it happy and alive. I probably have to heat it somehow, right? somehow keep like dogs out of the fucking hen house and shit i mean this, it turns into a whole thing and it feels like it just comes from this idea of like uh, it'll be much more uh our life will be much more sustainable this way and it's like will it will it the, you know when i would really be fed up with the chicken is the first time i was just like i'm just about to throw uh three dozen eggs in the trash because i can't eat them and whatever and it's like, well, I don't know. And what do you do with them? Fuck it. Um, let's see. What do we have? Turtle doves? Um, so this is a Washington Post op-ed. Some people are irritated by the weirdest things by John Kelly. I hate morning doves. No, that's not quite right. I wouldn't call it hatred. The bulbous birds just irritate me. I see them stupidly waddling about under the bird feeder, and suddenly I'm consumed with feelings of, let's call it unreasonable antipathy. It's odd. I mean, why would someone get upset by a bird? Or by a camera? I collect old film cameras. A few were kind of pricey, but most are pretty ordinary, the kind of cameras people bought in the 1960s and 70s for snapshots. Snapshots. But what I don't have, what brings forth the bile whenever I see one, is an Argus C3. Whenever I see an Argus C3, a cheap, boxy, American-made 35mm camera, I want to drive over it with an 18-wheeler. And I don't even have a commercial driver's license. <laughs> I don't understand what this is about. It's weird to have such a specific hatred. Just like, I hate this one kind of camera. Or like, I hate this kind of bird because it waddles stupidly. I mean, I got bad news for you. Uh, if you don't like stupidly waddling, then you don't like birds. That's the hot take of this episode. All right, and then we've got a pear tree. Um, this is from abc.net Australia. Ornamental pears are a beautiful tree, but they have a unique unexpected smell. Here's why. You roll out of bed on a lovely spring morning... Make yourself a cup of coffee and gaze out across the tree-lined street full of soft white blossoms. 
There's a light breeze that brings along wafts of warm... Wait, what is that smell? Does the air smell like semen? <laughs> That's a question people have been asking on social media. And as the ABC Science Video presenter producer, a.k.a. the nerdy doctor who lives inside the TikTok and Insta screen prison you carry around in your pocket, it's my job to answer that. The culprit of the unexpected odor is the blooms of Pyrus calariana tree, also known as the ornamental pear tree. If you don't recognize the name, maybe you've heard their Aussie nickname, cum trees. <laughs> maybe you've heard the uh, delicate way the Aussies describe these as cum trees. <laughs> They're in Southeast Australia. Their pungent aroma comes from their blossoms. The odor plume tickles the odorant receptors in your nose, and the combination of activated receptors helps your brain work out the scent. If you've smelt semen before, then your brain likely recognizes an odor-evoked memory, and therefore, and there you have it. Suddenly you realize these flowers smell an awful lot like ejaculate. Because semen can smell like ammonia, several experts have suggested that the similar smell from the ornamental pear blossoms comes from volatile amines. Um, but they went finding whatever. Um, you know, most floral scents uh, function to attract pollinators. The dank smell of the ornamental pear blossom attracts honeybees and flies, specifically hoverflies. So there you go. <laughs> they smell like cum to attract bugs. So first of all, I'm learning that semen would attract bugs. I hadn't really thought of that before, but I guess certain kinds of flies would be very attracted to semen smell. Do you think it's weird that people's semen smells the same? It would be nice if people's semen smelled different. You know, like if someone was, uh, I don't know, like if it was like a fingerprint. Ah, the scent of everyone's semen. It's a little different. Those Poirot mysteries would be really different because, like, as long as the criminal jacked off in the vicinity of the crime, would be like, aha, now all I have to do is match the scent with the jacker offer, and this crime is as good as solved. <laughs> I don't know if it's those same pear trees, but we definitely have some kind of tree around here that smells like that. Smells some kind of way. Um, there was this lady I work with who... Yeah, she she described the smell as being like cum. And she was just like, Ugh, I hate I hate this time of year when those trees are blossoming. I don't like it. And I was like, well, okay. It, it's funny to talk about too, because in order to talk about it, you have to basically reveal that you are pretty familiar with the smell known as cum. It's just like a fact of life for you. And, uh, you know, no, no judgment, but it's not, it's not my first, my first thing. Do you know what I mean? I would probably be like, oh, it's kind of a bleachy smell or something. I don't know. Is, um, so you're not supposed to mix ammonia and bleach, right? Or is it chlorine? Bleach and ammonia and chlorine? Whatever. My point is, if I bleached come would i create a gas that killed me a very embarrassing kind of gas that killed me in a very embarrassing way it kind of seems like that's what's being suggested here and i don't care for it 
It's not how I would prefer to die. From cum gas? The first recorded cum gas death. And then I'd be on some idiot's podcast and be, you know, one-tenth of that. And he'd probably move right along and be like, well, and that's cum gas, boy. Like where the boy.